You're listening to a Big Stick Energy Productions podcast. What up, what up, what up? This is episode six of the Gritisons of Philadelphia podcast here on the Big Stick Energy Productions podcasting network. I'm your host, Eric, joined by my good friend and great co-host, Jimmy Coleman. How you doing, Jim? Good, Eric. How you doing, buddy? Ah, uh, I'm doing pretty well. I've uh, I went down the shore this weekend just to a shore house, uh, still socially distanced, but uh, got a little got away a little bit. Tried to get a day out of you know just trying to relax and uh, try to zone out from you know the events of the world a little bit. But uh, it's nice. I don't blame you. It's been yeah. kind of shitty. Yeah, just trying to, you know, it's hard to stay inside. And I'm trying my best to do everything I can to stay inside. But, you know, it's nice when you have a little bit of an option to get away, still being safe. And, yeah, it was just nice to yeah. relax. I just bought a uh, tent. So uh, my girlfriend and I are going to go camping. Uh, yeah, so, dude, so camping's the most, probably the safe, safest thing you could do right now. You don't yeah, deal with people. I, we're uh we're well i'm not trying to toot my own horn but we're coming up on five years here and uh it's not tooting your own horn congrats that's good dude we were we were looking for something to do for uh our little anniversary our dating anniversary and uh i mean there was i i don't feel comfortable going to any hotels or anything going anywhere so i was like you know what let's just get not a the last blockbuster. camping somewhere what's that you don't want to go to the last blockbuster no not really i not. actually i do really want to go it's just i'd probably wait a little bit yeah someday but not today um tomorrow but you know what it's a yeah maybe <laughs> uh just a just a different idea of what to do in times like these so a little cheap fun get and, to go be and uh, just just a way to get outside of the outside of the house and do something yeah just kind of relax and unwind for a couple of days because i'm just tired of the the sensory overload that's happening right now although yeah. i am happy that sports are back in my life but my life i could you i could probably stand a weekend to uh escape all the uh the conundrum that's happening so exactly that's how i feel it's uh it sucked only because when I mean I got back yesterday. I only went down for like Friday night to Sunday afternoon, so I could get home for the eventual game that we're about to talk about uh, with the Flyers. But uh, once I got back home and you know started to do the consistent social media checking again, I started to realize that uh oh, <laughs> I didn't. The world didn't stop. I just zoned out for a day. So, but it's the only shitty part about coming yeah, back from a vacation. But yeah. Sometimes you need that. I mean, social media is only a recent thing, and uh, our civilization has survived for a lot longer with less information. I'd actually have, so. say some days I prefer less information. We'll make it through this. Oh, I know. We, got each, we got each other, brother. The only news that, that really matters right now is uh, Philadelphia Flyers news. So what's happening? What's going uh, on? Well, Some crazy things have been happening. We are coming up tomorrow night on game four of the round one of the Stanley, 2020 Stanley Cup playoff 
run for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, they are currently leading after a one nothing and franchise, uh, I guess, altering, you could say, because it's historic in a way, uh, shutout last night against the Canadians. They lead the series 2-1. to one. Carter Hart got his first playoff shutout and officially is the youngest goaltender in Philadelphia Flyers franchise history to have a playoff shutout victory. So, I mean, that just goes to show you what kind of guy we got right now. Uh, if it wasn't for him, we probably would be losing this series 3 nothing because he stole game – he definitely stole last night. Or I'd argue he stole both games, but I'd also argue that defensively we played real well. But, I mean, if – I just imagine the years past when we didn't have a franchise-style goaltender and how these games – a lot of the uh, pucks that we saw last night, like you watched last night, I know, Jim, a lot of the pucks that maybe hit the post or got through coverage, they would have went in because you didn't, you didn't have a goaltender who was there to make the simple saves, the tough saves. He wasn't really – they once playoffs came around – our goaltending falls usually showed. Uh, and that's the thing that makes a great team is, you know, our offense hasn't been the best these first couple games of the uh, opening round. But it, you got your defense playing real solidly and soundly. And you got your goaltender who's just, who's making sure that a game like last night where we can only break through on a, a chip shot, essentially going off of Voracek, got in and then we shut down and were able to really keep from all the pressure that the Canadians were giving us. We could keep them at least to the outside. There was never any scary chances. And I mean, it's just, it's a different year this year because eventually what's going to happen is the offense will find itself out or it's going to have an explosion game, hopefully tomorrow, hold my breath. But, and then once that happens, the goaltending won't have to shine as much because the offense will catch up to it. So it's something that in the years past there, we didn't have this. We, if we didn't have a goalie doing what Carter Hart was doing right now, we would have been out of this series from the start because, but it's because of this going on right now with Carter Hart is why this team is different than years past. Because in 2010, when the Flyers made their Stanley cup final run and lost to the Blackhawks, it was because of goaltending. If we had a goaltender, we would have won that series. But it was the goaltending carousel that really hurt us in the end. And that's why this year is different because a goalie wins a championship. Defense wins a championship. And we're having – and that's the thing that's shining right now, and that's the most important thing. So we need our top offensive all-stars like Voracek, Giroux, Konechny, Hayes. We need all those guys to score. But it goes to show you just how deep and complete this team is, is that these other things are kind of picking up the load. Sorry that I went on a bit of a ramble there, but no, it's okay. I did have a question. So you mentioned Hart is like the youngest flyer to do it in the playoffs. Who do we know? Who the youngest like player or like it's look? I'm looking at youngest players, and the only ones that I can think of. <laughs> Sorry, like one second. A goal ten, a youngest goalie. Yeah, the youngest goalie. Like I looked it up, and Card Hart's the one that comes up, but I don't think that's correct. Like. Would it be Eric Fickhard? It doesn't say. It only has – 
first NHL win and first NHL shutout. So, well, if they're not going to tell us who the youngest one was, I'm just going to say Carter Hart was the youngest one in the playoffs. Ever? Ever. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fine my, with me. That's my take. That's my take until someone tells me differently. I can't find the uh, information. I was looking up Martin Burdor, but I don't think that's it. It's probably some dude in like 1900 or something like that. Anyway, it's not important. Yeah, we got distracted <laughs> there. Um, all right. What else? What else? We'll, uh, we'll just jump into the – we'll jump into games one through three real quick, and then I'll go a little bit more in depth in the last night's game because that's the one where I think we uh, – I can voice a little bit of my concern about the team, but yeah. so game one was a, uh, was a tight affair. We, uh, I mean, it was pretty, the Flyers owned play for the first period for the most part. Um, Carrie Price, Carter Hart's idol as a child, God, stood on his head against Carter Hart and it was essentially a goaltending battle, which was what a lot of people expected this series to be. The the Flyers broke through pretty early on with a shot from Provorov that actually was changed later that day or that started. I think the next morning it changed to Voracek's goal because it was shown to go off his skate or his like bottom of his knee. But then the Flyers ended up taking, I think they went up two. Now the Flyers, yeah, the Flyers went up two, and then the Canadians scored a quick one to – no, the, all right. Now I remember the order. It was Provorov scored, Canadians scored, and then Farabee scored 18 seconds later after uh, the Flyers took a penalty and Shea Weber scored the power play goal. Uh, so the Flyers then pretty much – from the end of that game, after they scored their goal, kind of went into conservative mode, and they kind of were on their heels, and the Canadians were showcasing why they beat the Penguins in the first play-in round, because they, they're very pesky. They're very – they follow a system, and then they push up, and they kind of just suffocate you. So the Flyers, I don't think, realized like just how much of that they were going to get until they experienced it. But we took game one, two to one after a stellar performance by Carter Hart. So we kind of thought next game, it was going to be, you know, all right, this is where the offense is going to explode a little bit more because the first game we had trouble, but we also, I do think it was Carey Price playing a little bit better. Uh, he's found his, he found his prime uh, body once again, instead of his age 33 year old body, because now he's playing really well. But I actually think Carey Price is one of the better goalies in the league. Uh, I was going to say, I think I'd probably take Carey Price over most people. Carey Price is the – a lot of people are saying Carter Hart is, like, the next evolution of Carey Price. Like, Carey Price was the guy that everyone was, like, between him and Henrik Lundqvist, it was always, like, these are the two best goalies of of the uh, era, which is true. Carey Price is one of the greatest goalies, I think, that's ever been on skates. It sucks that uh, he's going against the Flyers because – I I would love to see him win a Stanley Cup, but I'd rather see Carter Hart, obviously. But it sucks because I don't know if the Canadians are ever going to be. Hopefully he gets a run later in his career, but obviously this series, I want I want him out. But <laughs> what uh what how how long do uh how long is the shelf life for a uh, 
goalie in hockey? Would you say? Um, it's weird because goalies uh, go 50-50 with someone like Carter Hart, who's young, um, kind of starting out from the get-go, coming into the game and being like already almost there in terms of like, wow, he's already like a game changer for his team. He's, he doesn't really need to go through the minors or work through anything. He's, he's pretty much ready. He's just got to, you know, fix a couple things that rookies usually and younger players kind of build over experience. And then there's guys like Jordan Binnington from the blues last year on their Stanley cup winning team. And uh, a couple other players like Ben Bishop later in his career, who once they hit like the 30 to 34 range, goalies will kind of, or like maybe like 28 to 34. That's where like a goalie's prime kind of is. Cause goalies are like, I guess pitchers in baseball are a little bit like that too, where sometimes uh, they don't hit their stride until they're a little older. Yeah. You'd say like, like right around like 27, 28, like that's where they kind of get their like confidence. And then they have a couple of years of dominance and then they start to go down. Yeah. That's when they have the years of experience and the, uh, on top of the, talent that they have yeah unless you're jamie moyer true but jamie moyer is just a ageless timeless wonder but that's usually i mean that's usually the prime of most athletes careers between that time like it's where you have the experience that uh you have from constant in-game uh situations and you have probably probably in one of the best shapes of your life at that point it's usually after that little bump is where most athletes kind of decline but i wasn't sure if goalies because i know i mean i'm sure it takes a lot of uh a heavy toll on their body uh taking those shots and yeah and that's why the goalies as flexible as they are well the goalies that last longer are the ones like a carter hart who has a confident backup and is it doesn't have to play 65 to 75 games over the year I mean, 75 is a crazy amount. I'd say 65 to 70. You want your goalie to kind of be right around the 50, 50 game. Like you want him to be 50 games, maybe 55, a little more than half of the season, but you don't want him to play the full season because um, you don't want, you don't want to tire him out because it is a grueling performance. That's why goaltenders, that's why when people say like, oh, why don't you play your goalie two nights in a row? It's like, imagine doing, imagine stretching that much bending yeah. bending all your your joints and stuff and then having to do it like not even 12 hours later i mean it's just like you want you want to give your guy a rest because you also have to realize you you're carter hart's a goalie like you call he's called the flyers 10 year goalie we finally found because you want a goalie to be 10 plus years your goalie yeah like if it's like a quarterback in football you want to find a guy who can be there for a majority of his career because you build a team around a good goalie franchise goalie exactly so um, I'd say like you, you Carter Hart's a different story because he's one of those elite prospects who came up and li- is living up to the hype with uh, being so young. So he's going to be there. He's going to be a force for 10 plus years. Hope And yeah. the Flyers, you know, it took a while for us to find someone like this, but we're happy. And he's, he's the reason we're still in the series. Definitely, so, uh, or a lead in the series, actually. Um, I mean, he, like, even though like, I mean, we haven't gone to it yet, but like even though that the uh, Canadians definitely have the scoring advantage, I don't think that the Flyers would have been in either of the games that they won if they didn't have Carter Hart. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, but Carter Hart's not perfect. No. And game two, 
I would not blame him for game two, okay? The score was 4 nothing when he got pulled, but those that entire roster of team or that entire roster of guys on the ice, no matter what, they couldn't get – the Canadians were on top of it right from the uh, drop of the puck. And the reason – one of the reasons being is that the night before they found out that their coach, uh, Claude Julian, had uh, to go to the hospital for – some chest-related problems, and then it turns out that he had to get a heart procedure done. So they were pl- they were playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, you know, playing for their hearts out for their their bench boss. And uh, in my gut, when this game started, I was like, ah, something feels weird about game two. I don't know. I didn't like the ending of game one. Um, all this news about Cole Julian that came out. I just I just feel like if I knew we were going to have a game stolen from us. I didn't think we were going to have an ass-kicking in game two, but I just knew we were going to lose probably one of the first two games. And, I mean, they the Flyers just had their hands full. They The Canadians fi- found, finally found a way to break through on the scoreboard, but also just did everything that they did in game one and kept the pressure completely up. Uh, I mean, the Flyers offense, they just, there was a lot of times where the Flyers just couldn't really get their bearings down. There were some sequences once it was four nothing, or maybe three nothing even when uh, the Flyers were getting a bit of pressure. And like Flyers have shown that they have uh, can fight adversity and come back. But I mean, I think it was just one of those games where it wasn't your afternoon. The puck wasn't going the way you wanted it to go. There's even a, there was even an image of Konechny on the bench after uh, I think he hit a post for like the second time tried to break his stick and the stick would even break in his hissy fit. I mean, when that's happening, you just can't fucking, you're just, you got to just kind of take, you guys kind of sit back and be like, dude, I don't think today's our game. We just got to work on our shit and make sure that we're, you know, ready for next game. Cause it's a long series. I mean, I was definitely surprised that the Canadians could keep it up for that long. Cause like they looked like they were going from the get go. And I, like, I even texted you. I said, I, I doubt the Canadians will be able to keep this up for this long just because of how fast they're moving and how like on top of the puck they were the entire time. No, the Canadians kind of played a near perfect game game two. And I mean, the Flyers didn't help themselves by not playing well, but even like, no. And I mean, like, I feel like the Flyers had a lot of uh, bumps as far as like passing. Like I feel the past couple games that I've watched and I know you mentioned that the ice is bad. But, like, I just feel they don't have the passing down right now. Whereas I watch the Canadians, yes, it's tough to pass, but they're generally in the right area. The Flyers no, the, have seen the, a lot of whiffs. Uh, yeah, the passing's been a little – hasn't been as crisp as it probably should be. I mean, that's something that game-to-game might change. Like, tomorrow it might be a little bit more crisper. But it also goes to show just the Canadians' pressure has been – I mean, they haven't given the Flyers much time to – to move. So it's, it's a lot of that can also be because when, when you feel like you don't have any space on the ice and the other team is kind of swallowing up the smallest amounts of ice you have, it essentially fucks with your hands. And that's probably part of it too, is that the Canadians have just been so relentless throughout the three games that the Flyers puck making time, like decision-making timing hasn't been there greatly. And I mean, that goes to show too, that we're lucky that we have Carter Hart because that's where teams oh, yeah. can can jump on you and score on the scoreboard. And in game two, it just was one of those things where I don't think Carter Hart played bad. I really don't think the goals were his fault, but they were just perfectly placed shots and perfectly perfect plays 
from the each from each player's stick. You know, there was a couple passes from from the left to right uh, hash marks and just a little tapping and shit. Like it's just stuff like that. I mean, the and the Penguin, the Canadians were just having their their day. Like they were having their proud. I think that was their best performance they're going to get to. So the Flyers just have to, you know be able to jump offensively. And I think that that's where they're going to swallow the Canadians whole. Cause I think the flyers matchup wise are, they're a better team. It's just the Canadians are playing better than they, their Canadians aren't as good as the flyers talent wise, but they're playing up to the talent wise by just pure perseverance through this series. And they did it with the penguins. So it's um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Um, I was just really concerned. I've just been really concerned with the passing. Like, if they can't pass and get up uh, in the zone, they're not going to be able to do anything. Like, no matter where they were on the on the uh, ice, a Canadian stick was in their way, or um, they couldn't really communicate to each other. I mean, that, yeah. I, I watched like 10, 10 or fifteen passes just in like the uh, second period yesterday, where uh, looked like the guys wide open they just couldn't get it to each other that's the thing too is the flyers are being like I and we'll get into this in game three a lot with the power play because this is where i think you're a lot of the passes you were seeing were probably were on the power play but the flyers are seeing those open lanes the problem is is that like i'm seeing it too and being like wow that's that's probably you know they're probably that's probably open right now but i know a player is going to get a stick in the way and lo and behold that's what happens the Flyers are trying to make that one extra pass, hopefully the pretty pass that usually works in the regular season. But in the playoffs, all those open lanes get closed up quickly, and it's a matter of you, – you've seen that the like game one and game two, most of the, the – all the goal – all three goals were scored by players being in front of Carey Price, getting in his grill, and getting pucks to the net and just fighting it out. And the greasy, dirty goals are going to be the ones that, that get us – that essentially win us the series if we can just keep fine. Like, Drew in game three, we'll just jump into game three because game two is pretty much – I mean, there's nothing else. Um, yeah, there's nothing it was a else shit show, for, and yeah. the Flyers need to not let that happen again. They, need, they needed to take it up in game it's three. behind you at this point. And the Flyers did play better in game three defensively. They only got one goal, but like I was saying, dude, Drew gets the puck at the, at the far hash mark. And right away decides to throw it on net, and it hits Voracek to score his second goal of the playoffs. Same type of goal. And it goes over Carey Price's left shoulder. And then the, we win the game one nothing by shoring up our defense because our offense can't get it. And it's there's there were plays that um, the Flyers, uh, I think Giroux threw one down. It was after uh, you saw the play when Giroux jumped up in the air at the blue line and caught the puck midair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, the one, that was a wicked – fucking crazy play and that's like line that's like football and baseball it looked like he was going at the wall and the guy had a the guy had a ball that you thought was going out for a homer and he fucking whipped his arm out at the last second and grabbed it like that's what like the way his arm whipped back and then he grabs the puck and then he throws it to and then he throws it down to Voracek and Voracek's at the at the goal line um on Carey Price's left side and he just tries to drive the net but Carey Price is there but like it's those quick plays and then driving the net that have shown that like we keep doing that and eventually puck's going to go in goalie can only save so much. So it's those extra passes, which the one that you're probably talking about is 
uh, there was a play when Giroux had the puck and he saw, or no, it was Konechny saw the puck, uh, had the puck, and he saw a lane right through the middle to Giroux. And he tried to throw the mm-hmm. pass, but I was sitting there like, dude, fucking Konechny, you got to shoot it. Because I think earlier in that sequence, he actually shot the puck and he drilled the post from the same yeah. spot. So I'm like, Konechny, you got to shoot the puck because they're expecting you for that pass. The shot will at least get through or get blocked at least and drop in front of Price and you'll be able to kind of push it in. But you're going to have to fight for the goal because Carey Price has shown that it's not easy to score against him. So you just got to put the pressure on. And I think, I mean, I'd hope that the Flyers figure that out. I mean, they have film on it. And I'm sure that AV will realize, like, you guys got to keep throwing pucks to the net. And I'm sure it's driving him wild that they're not doing that and they're making that extra pass because AV is a very, like, he adapts to whatever's going on the ice. So he's, I, I would be surprised if both we continue to do that extra pass bullshit tomorrow. And the other thing that's bothering me, and we'll jump into it real quick, is the power play, which is like one for 24 this entire playoffs, including the round robin. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And the fact that they haven't tried changing anything about it, and AB finally came out saying that we're going to be changing some shit on the power play, is like – uh, Michelle Terrian runs the power play. AV doesn't, but I would like to see AV maybe give Terrian like a, you know, a little bit of a nudge. Like I know it's a coach jumping on another coach, but I think you got to try something really different. Cause I mean, if you're, it's one thing if you're like one for eight. Okay. Like you can maybe keep doing it the same thing and you'll break through, but one for 24 having multiple five on three penalties and only scoring three games and three goals and three games in the first round is ridiculous and I just think that you gotta the power play has been the thing that's frustrated me the most special teams is what also wins you a championship and our penalty kill has been like maybe I think it was like two or it was two or three uh power plays they scored on and two of them had a game two and the lone goal in game one they scored on a power play but besides that our power play has been smothering and thank god that our both our power plays are struggling and not just one because if the flyers were having trouble and the peng and the canadians were able to just keep scoring on the power play we'd be fucked we'd be down three to three out and it's it's just 100 percent because like when like i feel like the second that the flyers have a man advantage that they have no coordination like they they just no they they don't they're trying to be too fancy against the theme is that they try this thing where they do like the, it's the two, 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 two uh, swing option where it's like, you know, the, you'll, you'll see it if you pay, if you watch, uh, you probably have already yeah, you got, it. You got the guy got coming two, up the ice. Uh, two guys up front, two guys uh, to the sides. and one Well, guy no, up. it's when they're trying to enter the zone. You know the thing when they like throw the puck back and they try and like have the guy pick yeah. it up and yeah, that hasn't worked. I mean, it's worked to get the guy moving, but it, you got to get the puck in the zone, set up at the top of the blue line, and then move the puck around and just fire it on net. And the thing is, it's a running joke in the Flyers' um, fan base is when you're at a game and then they're on the power play and all you hear is some fucking idiot in the stands going, shoot! But, oh, yeah. but the thing is, it's like, I fucking think they missed that because – they would shoot the puck more. <laughs> they, they're not shooting the puck enough. They, what you do is you get the puck, you do the thing where you win it back, you get it to Giroux, you lean it up for uh, Provorov, and Provorov either takes the shot, gives it back to Giroux or Voracek or Konechny, whoever's at the top line, 
and you have a guy fire it and you put two bodies in front of the goalie and you let the puck and you fucking dig at it and hopefully it goes in or you set up and go again. Like you just, the thing is, he's got to get the puck on net and you got to win your battles. The pliers are getting a puck on net or maybe, and they're shooting it. It's getting blocked and then it's getting sent down the other end and then they can't get back in the zone to set up. So there's no consistent pressure. Yeah, it just feels like they take one shot and then they have to completely reset. Exactly, they're not. They're not. They're not. It's like they don't have that like extra, um, that extra jump in their step in order to make sure that they are keeping the puck in the zone. I'd honestly, I. I I mean, the Canadians aren't do aren't doing them any favors either. Like they're they're, spotless on the penalty kill. No, they're they're uh, they're they're blocking a lot of shots. They're getting in the way and they're not making sure that the Flyers don't have lanes in order to get the pucks through. So it's not like the Flyers are having the, the lanes usually to get it through, but there's been times when I'm like, all right, Konechny, you have a decent lane. You should just whip the shot in. And he fucking tries that extra pass, and then the Canadian gets a stick and it goes out of play, and then you got to reset your face. And the Flyers, luckily, are one of the best face-off teams in the league. So if they does go out, they usually can win the face-off again and get set up. So you'd rather the puck be in on Carey Price and him freeze it and then reset in there. But the problem is, is that the Flyers aren't getting once they're once they're getting the puck, they're not doing anything with it, or they're not getting it through to Carey Price. So, I mean, it's funny. It's, I mean, you were gonna say something. Uh, like, I feel like there's more pressure on the Flyers during uh, when they have a man advantage than there they, is on the Canadians at this point. It, well, it's because the Flyers. I jokingly said this last night to a uh, our guest host and one of our friends, Nick of the pod who, uh, who was actually going to come on tonight, but he, uh, unfortunately had some work stuff to get done. So he couldn't jump on with us, but it'll be on, he probably be on next week. Uh, but I was texting him last night during the game and he said that, uh, or I jokingly said to him, I was like, dude, I wish it was like fucking football where they go like, ah, oh, uh, penalty tripping. And then you could just be like, I decline it. I'd rather like, you know, <laughs> I just don't want it. <laughs> Cause at this point it hasn't like helped us. And honestly, I would have rather the Canadians like give them that and just play shorthanded because they play, we play better with less players. We're better. Uh, like the Canadians just play with the puck on the outside and they don't really, they can't get pucks through anyway. So it's not like, it's not like the Flyers, the Flyers are just wasting time by sitting in the zone and keeping the puck to the outside. Cause uh, one of my hockey coaches actually our penalty kill philosophy, cause I was on the penalty kill a lot as a player was let them play with the puck as long as they want outside of the outside of like the main hash mark area and like inside the crease, let them pass from yeah. D to D and let them pass behind the net and let them do whatever the fuck they want. Cause they're just wasting time and the pressure's not going towards the goal. So obviously I'd rather the flyers not be shorthanded, but in terms of oh, special yeah. teams right now, I'd rather their penalty kill. Anytime the flyers go down, I'm like, I'm 99% sure that they're not going to score a goal here because uh, they're the Flyers are just so sound defensively. But when it comes to the offense, I am already, I'm in the firm belief that, okay, the Flyers are not going to score a goal in this power play. So it's funny, but it's, it's really funny because we're in game going into game four in the playoffs after a year of just, you know, so much happiness and I find it funny that I'm just bitching now that, like, I need this done. And, like, I'm already thinking, like, you got to win. The, it's it's crazy how the times have changed. I'm just – To be fair, to be fair, they're not playing like the team they were. They're, they're, I have expect, I have actual so. expectations for them now. And when they're not doing what I know they can do, it's 
it's frustrating, but it's also like a good frustration. It's kind of like the fact that we're the fact that I'm frustrated with all this and we're still winning the series just goes to show how good our team is. Like they're still able to do some things yeah. and get it done, but that like you gotta eventually it's gonna fucking give out where you're gonna need your offense to be able to score. Like in that game too, they could have probably been in it if the offense was firing on all cylinders. You know. Yeah. It's hopefully game four we can get Drew can get a goal. I need Konechny. Konechny's had a couple posts. He's once he gets once a puck goes in for him, dude, he can't he goes on a he goes on runs. So if he gets on the board, that's scary for the Flyers and that's good. That's what we need. We need guys like that. We need our guys who we expect to put the puck in the net to actually put the puck in the net. We need Kevin Hayes to show up here too. I mean he hasn't been all season. It's every game he's done everything right. And in the playoffs, he hasn't. He's been a little bit – he's been trying too much uh, fanciness with the puck. And, and, you know, some of it's been working. But he's also just been a little timid. So, you know, I think it's also a team thing. They just got to – everyone's got to get on board. And once the pucks start going in for some people, it'll start to open up for the whole team. But it's just been – as long as we're still winning, we're still playing good defensively, we just got to get the offense shirt up. But – yeah, I mean that's about a recap for uh Voracek has two out of the three goals in this entire playoffs, so it's really easy to talk about. And then um J- Pro uh, who actually I know, and then Farabee who actually got scratched in game three. So he's not even playing anymore. But I could see him coming back real soon. I think one of the lower forwards, one of the bottom six forwards is gonna end up getting sat. And I think they'll put Farabee back in because I think him not being – he was getting thrown around a lot in game two. And he started to – he was getting hit a lot. He was – his game wasn't great. So, sometimes for a young player, it doesn't hurt to sit him. But I think it's more valuable to have him on the ice than it is to have, like – as much as I think Nate Thompson is good at his role, I mean, a 35-year-old grinder player or a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old offensive stud, I think I'm going to take the second. I was confused as to why they said like was there was there any like other reason they sat him or was it just I mean Raffle came back and they were trying to just inject new stuff into the lineup they were trying to uh trying to you know throw in something throw in some new blood Raffles more of a more of a you know keep the puck in their zone use his body uh, gives you a good role and he they were trying to maybe like a big grinder type fourth line but. I think you got to get Farabee back in. I think, I think as great as Lawton's been, you got to move Lawton down to the third line, make him the center, and then maybe put Farabee on the second line with Hayes and Konechny. Because I think Konechny and Hayes had some good chemistry together. Or Konechny and Hayes do have good chemistry. Konechny and Farabee had real good chemistry together. Same was with Hayes. Say, wasn't, uh, I was going to ask. Earlier in the season, they, uh, had that, they had that. Wasn't Farabee doing a pretty decent job though? Prior yeah, to he was. He, had a, he, I mean, he did have a. He has a, one of the only goals in the series, and he was doing. He was doing real well. It's just, I don't know. It's a matter of having too many bodies too. But I don't. I think Farabee makes it back in sooner rather than later. I think if he's not in the lineup tomorrow, depending upon the score tomorrow, I could see him in the lineup uh, Wednesday night. But we'll I mean, see. considering their considering their scoring issues, I mean, I find it hard to believe that they would want to sit a guy that, that's already scored yeah it, you know? yeah no then plus you i think Konechny, him and hayes have good chemistry and i think that could that could be a strong boost for that line and even when he was with uh drew and voracek they were still they were still uh 
or Giroux and Connect Couturier, they were there was still some good chemistry there. So I think Farabee just adds a lot to whatever line he's on. I think I know he's young, and I know AV was sitting him just because like his usage in game two wasn't great. Some of his positional play was a little bit a uh, little bit wonky, but I think he'll make it back in real soon. So I'm not too worried about that. And I trust. I mean, AV's a coach I trust, so I think that maybe he sees things that we don't. And that's the problem with like the fans where they're like, "Why are you doing this, this, and this?" I'm like, "He's a coach." He obviously has different eyes, and there's a reason he's behind the bench because he sees things that we don't, and he knows he he has he has a method to his madness. So that's why, like, when, when I don't I don't know about that, man. Who are you gonna trust, Av or, or a guy like me who's watched like 20 games of hockey this entire season? You probably definitely <laughs> no, exactly. but um, yeah, and it's it's one of those things where like. Farabee's also young and sometimes taking a back seat and watching the game from a different mindset up in the stands can kind of actually give you some more, some more pointers and he could come back in and be a fucking force. So I'm, I'm not worried. I don't know. I don't doubt, I don't doubt AV's any of the things he does. And um, he has yet to really do anything. I'm not trying to instill doubt. I'm just trying to get your opinion on it. No, no, no. I'm just saying for like anyone who's out there kind of questioning, like, why is he doing this now and stuff? It's like, Here's the thing about the playoffs, too, is you don't have 82 games to make adjustments. You have potentially four. So you don't, like, you, you, can't, you can't let your gut sit there for, like, game two into game three, and then that lineup accidentally fuck you over in game three, and now you're down in the series. You got to be quick. And to Nate Thompson and that fourth line's credit, I think they played all right. The stats, apparently, like, the percentages and stats were kind of not in their favor. Um, but I think there were times when they were, you know, they were getting the puck in that and they were instilling some pressure and they were just doing their job. So, but I do think Farabee being in that lineup benefits them. And I do see him coming back in, in the next game or two. Sounds good to me. Um, the other thing that happened yesterday and something that, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen this series, but hopefully we have another series where it can possibly happen is Oscar Lindblom after eight days of quarantine, was on the ice skating with his teammates yesterday for the first time in Toronto in the bubble. And he even led the team in uh, the pre-practice stretching. They get, yeah, there's a video of them all stick-tapping them, being happy that they're in there. And I honestly thought that that was going to give the Flyers a little bit more of an offensive oomph to, uh, to score more goals. But they did get a win after seeing him. And they did, I think, like, again, I think they played well enough. It wasn't their best game, but they still played. And Oscar being in the bubble was huge. They're even talking about, like, a couple weeks he could play. He even said a couple practices. It depends on his conditioning. But, I mean, you get someone like Limblom back, dude, that's – we're missing that. That's a big piece why the power play is not working either because Limblom would set up right in front of the – kind of right above the middle hash marks. And you could get the puck real quick. He'd have a quick release and score, or he was good in front of the net. I mean, he – he would make that second power play a lot stronger. And then, uh, I mean, Nolan Patrick was really our first power play guy when it, and that was our big plan, but obviously with his head, we couldn't be there, but you get someone like Limblom back, dude, that team gets really scary. And I mean, that's where the story, if the Flyers can get to that point where Limblom comes back, that's where I think the fairy tale, fairy tale story starts to, starts to kick off and where the boys just are unstoppable. 
But to be, him being there is going to be huge morale boosters, and I can see them even tomorrow, like, it really kicking in that, okay, our guy – like, our our buddy made it. Like, we got to do this for him. Because he came – he came into the bubble and decided, you know, I just got done cancer. I just got done, like, the fight of my life. I could have stayed in Sweden and hung out with my family. But, no, I had the itch to get back and play with my boys, play with my team in Toronto for the chance to win the Stanley Cup. So now they have this little thing where it's like we can't lose because we got to get to the point where he can play in the playoffs because, and one, he's going to be a huge help. And, two, he did all this knowing good well that, you know, it's real tough after what he just experienced. He wants to come out and help the team win. So I think that that's going to be huge, and I, I don't know. It, it was a great scene I mean, to see I mean, yesterday. Considering, considering a month ago we were projecting <laughs> maybe the start of next season for him coming back, and now he's looking like he's prime and ready to go for maybe a couple of weeks, uh, it's definitely, definitely going to be a big boost for the team. Yeah, and I mean, like Robert Haig uh, didn't play at all in the first two games, came into game three. Him and Limblom are really good buddies. And I think Haig's been great all year, but I mean, it's just going to make his play even better when his buddy gets to be on the ice. It's going it, to, and the team just loves Oscar. I mean, it's just, they love him. They're glad that the, he's a part of the team. They, he even said in the press conference yesterday, like it, even when it didn't feel like he was on the team anymore because he wasn't there, he was stuck, uh, you know, at chemo and just making sure he's getting the rest he needs. The team would call him. They would FaceTime him. They would check in, make sure he's all good, and just keep him knowing he's a part of the team because it sucks. It's even like this is a different level of injury. But, I mean, like with any injury, dude, like when you're not playing, you think like your team's forgetting about you. Like you can't contribute. But, like, they were making sure that – they were making sure to let him know, like, you're on our minds all the time. So that's just important. Well, I think it is also an important thing that, like, a lot of the – talent that's on this team is all homegrown Mm -hmm. so they all kind of came up together exactly Mm -hmm. so i that definitely helps the cohesiveness and like they feel like they're playing for another one of their brothers like i'm exactly exactly like i've never i know hockey is such a camaraderie sport where like others other sports it's kind of a one-man game like hockey you have to rely on everybody on your team just Mm because you're like Sidney Crosby wouldn't be good without the rest of the Penguins playing well. Like, There's sequences when he shows why he's the best player in the game. But, yeah, no, you need – like it's 100%. A, it's, but there's, it's a team sport, man. Like you, those guys who – like a Limblom who – Limblom's not like a superstar franchise caliber player, but he is like – he's a good homegrown piece who can put the puck in the net and – he does everything right. He always gives it his all, and he just brings something to the team. He brings this happiness and this this joy to joy to be on the ice and joy to play for one each of his brothers. And I just I like yeah. I think him being in that bubble is going to make this team better. I was hoping it was going to be better offensively yesterday. I think I've expected too much. Not not that I've expected too much from the Flyers. I think I still continue to give the Canadians less benefit of the doubt they're actually better than they are but I think the Flyers winning yesterday was huge and I do think that they're going to come out tomorrow and they're they know that they got to get their shit their shit offensively like Borachek has said came out last night after the game or maybe even this morning I forget when the article was published but he said look I know the power play sucks 
it's frustrating because we're getting we're, we're not getting enough shots we're getting shots and we can't break through we need to change something up so it's that's the thing that like the fan base doesn't understand too is like it's not like the players are oblivious to the fact that oh this shit's not working um but like yeah. it, it, the thing is is when you're in the game and we used to do this all the time when i used to play if something's not working you don't just like you don't really just give up right away you try and power through and it's like with anything you know when like you're playing a video game and you're playing and it's uh, levels hard but you keep playing the same boss battle because you're like eventually something's gonna go my way and i'm gonna get through it and eventually you do but it's after like a crazy amount of fucking time (laughs) like it's not just change the difficulty yeah i mean you can't do that (laughs) nhl (laughs) but you get what i'm saying is like i i do it all the time i'll power through and hope that one time i'll break through but um that's part of the mindset is like look i think we're getting enough pressure we gotta we we can get through we just the next time is the the one we're gonna do it but then it doesn't happen and then that becomes the next five times and then now they're on one and 24 but i do think i think they're right there they just gotta tweak like i think you put jvr in front of the net personally on the first power play and you just have his ass be glued to carry Price's eyes. And you stay in front of his eyesight, and you get Provorov. Or actually, I am 100% for Travis Sandheim being the guy on the first power play unit. And just have Sandheim getting that puck through because to the net. And if JVR is blocking and making sure he's being uh, all around Carey Price, because Carey Price has shown throughout the series that it, he gets pissed off if he gets guys in his way. Uh, he's, he's hit Derek Grant in the head a couple times, and it's just, yeah, he doesn't like people. Goalies don't like when they're getting their shit, uh, you know, they don't like people being in their bubble. So you just got to irritate them and get pucks through. And, I mean, that's that's been the thing that we've scored on. And I, I think that they're probably realizing that. It's just it feels like because when they keep doing the same thing, you kind of sit there, you're like, why the fuck do you keep doing the same thing? But – I mean, they're just hoping that this one's going to be the one. But I do think them acknowledging and taking accountability that they know that it sucked, it means that you're not going to see the same type of thing tomorrow. You just hope that whatever they do works or else this fan base is going to have a collective aneurysm <laughs> and start blowing up the Twitter. But, I, I mean, I, I am under the belief that I think that the Flyers' offense is going to kick off eventually. Cause it's but they've had a couple they've had a couple where maybe like the puck was laying there and it didn't go through or a couple posts have been hit. It's so eventually the puck luck's gonna turn and they're gonna it's gonna go the other way and it'll go in the net. So I mean I yeah I, but I hope so. I mean because I we were talking about it before the series started the big big guys on the top line haven't really been able to get it going since the lockdown or since the break. I mean, Hayes, Konechny, and Lawton were good throughout all those round-robin games, and then something happened. But I also, I'm again going to say, there's a reason why they were great through those games, and now they're good. Now the Canadians are, uh, now the Canadians are giving us troubles because the Canadians are shutting them down essentially and getting in the way. And luckily, our depth has kind of broke through, and we were able, were able to get on the board quick. But I agree. You're paying Drew $8 million. You're paying Voracek $8 million. Voracek scored a couple. So I can't, like, he's only he scored 66% of the goals in our playoffs so far. But Hayes, Konechny, 
Uh, even JVR, who's making $7 million. I don't know if his contract, I think that's kind of a crazy contract at this point, but you're still paying him. And he's good for 25 mm-hmm. to 30 goals a year. These guys need to be the ones who are putting the puck in the net. That's why I think you put someone like JVR on the first power play in front and he's, he's going to be useful because he's going to block sight. And he's also going to be able to be in front and pick up rebounds and get greasy goals. So I, 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 Sometimes I, you know, obviously fall into the line of like, I'm just a fan, but I mean, I have, I know from what I see on that power play and I was the guy like JBR who, when I played, I was the guy whose ass was glued to the goalie's eyes. I was always in front and waiting for a puck to come through and trying to tip it or put it in that or um, trying to let it make sure that like the goalie can't see it. So you just get JBR in front and you have Giroux with that one timer or uh, his passing ability over to like a Konechny. Konechny has a like a rocket of a wrist shot we've seen with some of the posts he's hit and just the way he gets through is once you start once we can get through that then I think um, the power play will kind of click and I, I think it's going to click. I'm not I'm not trying I don't want to be the guy who in game four of a series when we're winning two to one all of a sudden we start going it's over it's over because I do think the team's going to turn around and I even remember earlier in the season because you got to remember, this is like a whole new season. We essentially had the length of yeah. an off. We had a length of an off season. The Flyers' power play started kind of slow, and then it kicked off. So I'm thinking that that's happening again. So yeah. eventually, like in game one of these upcoming games, it's gonna it's gonna break through, and we're just gonna end up scoring two or three power play goals, and then we'll get back into it, and the offense will open. We got every every single offensive drought we got through this year. We still were winning games because we were able to we were able to defensively shut down and our goaltending was good. And it's the same thing here. Just the offense hasn't been up to snuff and it needs to get better. But we have pieces that have been that have been working. We're still up in a series. We're two wins away from winning a playoff series. I'm only I like. I mean, I obviously want them to win and I want them to do well. I'm only going to be comfortable when the cup is in their hands. No, exactly. I mean, that's obviously I, I true. I believe in them. I, be, I know they can do it. But, I mean, let's not – like, yes, they do have some veteran players, but not all of them have playoff experience. They're still a young team. Well, yeah, so, but the, the, great, the great teams do have – I'm not doubting have, them. No, here's the other thing you got to think about. Two people are saying, like, I've seen – oh, dude, we can't keep this shit up because what about next series? It's like you just focus on one series at a time, dude. We're worried about the Canadians. We don't even know who we're playing next series. So. Yeah, it could be three different teams. I'm worried just about the Canadians and getting through this series and hopefully winning a playoff series since 2012. When was the last time we won a playoff series? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to – I think tomorrow night they'll be better. I think tomorrow night their offense is going to kick off. I'm going to stick by it, and I'm going to say tomorrow night is when we score multiple goals in a game and we actually, you know, can create some offensive pressure and get the puck through. I'm going to stand by it. Game four will be an offensive game. I'm open for it. Um, But that's about it for the Flyers talk. I'll just uh, say that I think they're going to be better tomorrow, and hopefully they are. Uh, They kick off at 8 o'clock. 3 p.m. tomorrow, and then game five, since we lost game two, will be game will be at 8 o'clock on Wednesday. So, yeah, hopefully by then, hopefully by Wednesday, we'll be thinking about who we're playing next. Let's go Flyers. Might be doing, might be doing a one-man pod on Wednesday. I probably will. 
depending upon how it goes. Uh, anyway. Oh, yeah, I forgot because you're fucking recording. Yeah. <laughs> ah, we'll figure it out. We'll Barreled cross that bridge when we get to it. Wednesdays, released on Fridays. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Scheduling to be determined. Um, it's It's a slow process. I'll just go back over the to end the series. I'll go back over to end the episode. I'll just go back over, talk about uh, where the series are currently, and then we will jump into the last story about Tukarask, and then we'll call it an episode. Sound good? Sounds wonderful. All right. So obviously the Flyers are up two to one. We have the other Eastern series, the Capitals and Islanders. Uh, play tomorrow at eight. The Islanders are currently leading that series three nothing. The Capitals have not been playing that well. They look completely lost. They're obviously missing Nicholas Backstrom, but the Islanders are playing boring Islander hockey and taking it to the Capitals. And I honestly see this game probably. I see this series probably ending tomorrow night, and then the Islanders will have two series sweeps in a row from the playoffs, counting the play in. So we'll we'll look forward to that. Next, after that, you have the Blue Jackets and Lightning. Actually, that played earlier today. The Lightning won two to one and are leading the Blue Jackets three to one after winning um, that five overtime game last week, which was pretty wild. It's a fun game to watch. You kept texting me. It actually ended up uh, almost pushing the Flyers game back, but luckily we didn't. That game was insane. I'm sorry. Like, come on. You played basically two, two and a half or two and three quarters games. Three, two, two and two thirds of a game, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's not I know. It, um, but uh, both of those teams have to be dead by now. I mean, Tampa's look good. They haven't missed a, they haven't really missed a beat. Both teams look like they're still playing real well. I mean, later in the playoffs, that could come back to bite them. We'll see. But, for now, the Lightning are looking like a real good team. Uh, I think the Blue Jackets are going to hang around. I don't see the Blue Jackets going away. But the Lightning look like that team that is one of the top teams in the East and will probably be making a run this year, unless the Blue Jackets make me eat my words next game, which they probably will. Uh, the Currently right now, Boston leads the Hurricanes in their series 2-1. to one. Uh, they're lead- the Hurricanes are leading the Bruins in the game in the second period to nothing right now. So by the time this is uploaded and recorded tomorrow, that game could be a completely different score. Uh, but it's looking right now like the Hurricanes are leading. Uh, speaking of which, did you see the thing I shared yesterday on Twitter about the Bruins announcer talking about the Hurricanes guy getting hurt? No, I didn't. See so that. Jack Edwards is the Bruins' uh, home announcer, like the guy on their uh, TV channel, like their, you know, the channel that the Bruins play on. And uh, yeah, they he tweeted something because Andre Svechnikov was uh, hurt his ankle, and in the video you watch, it's real bad. Like his entire ankle bends down. It sounds like he's probably done for the series. Uh, but Jack Edwards tweeted something along the lines of like. You know, it was Svechnikov's fault he got hurt because he was messing with Chara, and if you poke the bear, you're going to get hurt. It was just a real insensitive comment about someone who, I mean, really looked like they fucked their leg up. And um, apparently Jack Edwards is a huge homer. He's kind of an idiot. Um, 
I mean, he's, he's a Boston announcer, so I wouldn't put it past him. And yeah. he, uh, yeah, just something like that. Like I would, if I was him, like, I don't know. I wouldn't tweet like, ah, dude, it sucks. He got hurt, but he shouldn't have done that. Like, I mean, it was a freak accident. And the thing he tweeted, it was like saying something about like how, uh, Aho was messing around with Chara or something like Chara. And it was, or it was, uh, Svechnikov and Chara were on top of each other kind of fighting around the net. It was actually Aho who was doing that with Chara. So it was factually incorrect, but also, I mean, if you're, a professional guy working for a sports network and you're tweeting about a player on another team, you know, kind of getting what he, what's coming to him style. I don't know if that's necessarily the th- way to go about it. And it sounds like most of the players in the league and the fan and the fans and some of like professional analysts even were like, you're kind of a fucking idiot. So I'm sure you feel the same way. I think that's a stupid thing to tweet. Yeah. Nice. But Good. yeah, but uh, the Bruins are losing game four right now, two nothing, and are but the Hurricanes are losing the series two to one. Uh, in the West, we have the what? You were gonna say something? No. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> in the West, we have Vancouver currently leading two to one in their series. The Canucks uh, lost game three last night. Three to two in overtime after Braden Shen scored the game winner. We had uh, former Flyer Braden Shen, by the way. We had uh, Colorado Avalanche are leading the Hurricane or not Hurricanes, the Coyotes, three to one, and they completely fucking shit house the Coyotes today in their game four, seven to one. There was a lot of fighting, a lot of obviously anger on the Coyote side, and the, I think the Avalanche are going to take this series. I don't see how they're not gonna I think the Avalanche are just a better team all around I think they're one of the better teams in the west who are going to be competing for the cup come uh come that time uh in the Vegas Golden Knights Blackhawks series the the Blackhawks actually won last night with uh three to one against the Knights we uh we had Corey Crawford the goaltender play out of his mind uh he was actually the first second and third star of the game <laughs> for uh his performance he uh he kept the blackhawks in there but i don't see the blackhawks making it out of game five and i think the knights are going to win four one in that series and the last series we need to talk about is the calgary flames dallas series which is honestly been one of the better series i think i've noticed it's been a lot of goal scoring a lot of hitting um that series is tied 2-2. That's the only series that is tied 2-2 at the moment. And, I mean, the Stars and Flames are pretty close in terms of uh, their tie. They're in terms of their, like, talent-wise and the way they're playing. So that series is kind of a toss-up at this moment. Uh, the Flames won yesterday in overtime 5-4. I actually saw the ending of that game. That was that was a pretty good uh, – that was, like, back-and-forth goal scoring every single minute. It was one of those games where, like, last goal wins. So, but, yeah. It's been fun. I uh, This week has been – I haven't kept up on all the other series just because, like, now that the Flyers have started, I've kind of put all of my energy into them. And once I emotionally exhaust myself towards the end of a Flyers game or even before, I'm like, I don't really feel like – I need something else besides hockey on, which is real shitty to say because, like, I've missed hockey. <laughs> and, like, I don't want to take it for granted. But sometimes you kind of need, like – I need to watch, like, a movie or something or even, like, a TV show 
or play some Xbox just to like kind of numb my brain a little bit because I emotionally invest myself in the Flyers. Last night, like it was funny. It took me until probably game one of the series, like towards the end where I was like, oh shit, now I have anxiety from sports again. I forgot what this was like because it wasn't until the playoffs started officially that I was like, you know, I don't feel normal. Like I haven't really cared as much as I probably should. Like, I don't know. I haven't had emotions. Like I haven't had stress in the middle of a game thinking like, oh shit, like they could lose or something. And then like it started and I was like, oh wow. All right. This is what it feels like. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's about it. Uh, oh, we can talk about, we'll end it with the Tuka Rask thing. So going back to the Bruins, um, Tuka Rask earlier, I think it was Friday or Saturday. Um, I don't remember, but he, uh, after a game that they lost, he said something along the lines of like, it was a weird comment where he said, I don't, these games don't feel like playoff hockey because of no fans. They feel close to the exhibition games. I can't really get into the games. And like, if you're a coach or a GM and your goaltender is saying something like that, you should probably um, put in your backup because a goal goalie, like a pitcher or a quarterback or something, you gotta be all mentally there for that position. Like, I've played games and uh, players have played games where their mind's not a hundred percent there and you can still get through it as a player, as a goalie, you gotta be a hundred percent mentally there. or It's not going to work. Like you're going to have a bad game. So obviously the Bruins were probably like, uh Oh, that's not good. And then Sunday in the morning, it was to everyone's surprise. And I mean, everyone's that Tukarask opted out of the uh, return to play bubble tournament for the playoffs citing that uh, he just missed his family and you could imagine all the comments from fans that were probably unjust. And I know we're unjust from them judging a man who was missing his family. There's been some rumblings that it's a family emergency was why he opted out and it made him kind of, you know, he was stressed out from it. Either way, it's no one's place to judge why someone decides to, you know, to do something. Um, It's kind of a weird timing thing, but Again, life's weird. This is a very unorthodox tournament. This is the time when a player would be spending his offseason, you know, hanging around with his family. Tuka Rask has like a four-month-old son. So, I, I mean, I, if I was his teammate, I'd probably be like, it sucks that our, play, our goalie, you know, we're losing our, one of our stud franchise goalie. And I do think Tuka Rask is a really good goalie. Uh, Boston fans seem to not like him. Actually, I thought of something today. It reminds me of the Nick Foles-Carson Wentz controversy that shouldn't be there where Tim Thomas won them a Stanley Cup, just like Nick Foles won the Eagles a Super Bowl. And after uh, Nick Foles left and Tim Thomas retired, Tuca took over, and Tuca and Carson are both franchise guys for for each team. And the fan base just doesn't appreciate that they actually have someone there who's consistent but hasn't gotten them over the hump yet. And then, yeah. So a lot of the fan base has been calling for Tuca to not even play in the playoffs. And now that he left, they're now being even more brutal to him. So I don't know how you feel about this, Jim. And I'm sure you're along the same way as me. Same as like the Andrew Luck situation from last year. Sometimes people forget it's a sport, dude. Like it's a fucking sport. I know it's their job, but things are more important sometimes than work. And, you know, he's got to go home and be with his family it's a big sac. It's a big sacrifice to get in the bubble in the first place, and I'm sure that the Bruins wouldn't be this empathetic to him, and they probably wouldn't be handling it like this if Tuka Rask didn't know more about the situation than we do, and that we're probably going to because again, it's this 
personal family business and no one needs to know all that. Um, so yeah, I don't yeah. know. I 100% think Tuka Rask is a great goalie. And look, if you're – look, you're away from your family for two months. And, yes, yeah, some players just have newborn kids like Couturier, uh, Vancouver's Bo Horvat, who's been great in this series. Forgot to mention that. He just had a newborn kid. Like, everyone's going through it through, through the same thing, essentially. But some people just – not everyone can handle something the same way. Not everyone has the same circumstances. So, I think it's shitty that uh, – Again, Jack Edwards also tweeted something about the fucking Tuca leaving, and it was not met with warm reception. And America's favorite fucking idiot, Mike Milbury, who I swear to God, the only the only way we were going to get – if I knew the only way we were going to get Flyers hockey back was through listening to Mike Milbury, I probably still would take it because I love that we have sports back to discuss and bitch about, but I don't think I would can take any more Mike Milbury. He has had so many shitty takes. He also said, yeah, I wouldn't have done that to my teammates because, you know, they'd be pissed off and yada, yada, yada. And it's just like Mike Milbury beat a guy with a shoe. I'm never going to let that go. He walked into the stands in his skates, took a man's shoe off, and fucking beat him with it. That guy is an absolute imbecile. He traded away a Hall of Fame goaltender for, like, a fourth-line left wing. And he signed a guy – Who's the guy in baseball who has like the thirty-year contract who's still getting paid, Jim? Bobby Bonilla. Sorry. I yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Milbury signed um, Rick DiPietro, who is now coined the Bobby Bonilla of hockey because he, I think, signed like a twenty-five-year deal or something. So if any, if anyone's gonna give a take, and it's gonna be taken seriously, it's not Mike Milbury. I've been calling for Mike Milbury. Mike Milbury's worse than Chris Collinsworth. I'm honestly on the Pierre train now. I kind of miss the big dork. And, um, I mean, you don't like Joe Buck as much, but he can get annoying occasionally because he knows he's a troll. But I'd take everyone over fucking Milbury because Milbury actually has come out on the record and said, I hate Philadelphia. I hate the Flyers. He's said on the fucking air before that he doesn't like us. Like, he still doesn't like us. And I'm like, dude, get over it. You weren't even that good of a player. You were not that good as a GM. I I can't stand your voice. You he yesterday he goes. I think it was um whoever in the Flyers game got high sticked in the nose. Was it Abe Kubel or Thompson? Yeah, it was Thompson. He goes, is that enough blood to get a high stick? When the fucking rule is, if there's a drop of blood, you get a penalty for four minutes for high sticking. It's not. There's no quota. You don't like. Oh, you didn't cut the guy's throat. No blood. Mike Mulberry is an imbecile, and I he does I think he should he should be fired. I don't think he I, he's a fucking terrible G. He's he was a terrible GM. He was a terrible hockey player. He's kind of a terrible human, and he's the fucking worst announcer on NBC by far. And I don't know why he's still there. Like it's like there's there's other choices you can put on the air. I don't know why we're stuck with him. Like it doesn't make any sense that he doesn't bring anything to the game. Even Brian Boucher last night. He was like, Milbury was like, oh, dude, if you're a goaltender and, you you know, sometimes they can't handle the puck, so they should just learn to know their place and stay in the net. And Milbury goes – or Boucher even kind of got fucking sick and tired of him on air and goes, yeah, well, I've seen some defensemen, Mike, who can't fucking handle the puck either. And then they was like – they were like, oh, you better not say any more. And I was like, I, I – God, if anyone's going to tell Mike Milbury to shut up, it's awesome. It's now the best player – or the best analyst on NBC right now, it's Brian Boucher. 
who's a former goalie of the Flyers, but he's also just – I love him. But, yeah, I hate Mike Milbury. I'm sorry I got on a rant there. But he, he had a really bad take about the whole um, Tuka Rask leaving thing. And to, and to end the Tuka Rask story, you know, don't judge anyone for what they do. You know, it's just – in the end, it's just a sport. I'm sure he talked – he was talking to management through this whole thing and letting them know, like, hey, man, my mind's not there. And I'm, I'm sure they figured something out. So, just – I know no one's – I know this is completely pointless, but just don't judge anyone. Just don't judge anyone for their choices because you don't know what they're dealing with. <sighs> all right, yeah. I think I think I'm done. <laughs> it's all good, man. All right. Um, re- read us out. All right, you can uh, rate and review, or you can rate and review. You can you can rate and review the podcast if you so please. We would appreciate that on Apple Pods. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Stick Energy Capital S Capital E. You can follow me on Twitter personally at eric underscore rare 11 how about you jim you, you can follow me at jimmy coleman uh you can listen to us on every single streaming platform spotify apple pods uh google podcasts iHeartRadio, radio cast box whatever the fuck they put us on anchor of course that's the that's the main one uh you make sure you share us around make sure you guys um Make sure you tell your friends, tell your family. Uh, make sure you're just enjoying the pod. Let us know. You can email us at uh, bigstickpod at gmail, right? That's our email? Uh, yeah, bigstickpod at gmail.com. All right. You can email us and let us know what you think, if you want to hear anything else, or if maybe you want to get, anyone wants to come on and talk to us. Uh, we would love it. We, uh, we're going to have Nick on next week again. Uh, he was supposed to be on the night, but he couldn't, like I said. But uh, we having an extra guest on, especially someone who is a little more hockey viewed like I am than Jim and Nick. Because, um, I mean, sometimes it's nice to get someone who's maybe even played the game, understands a little bit more in terms of that level side of the game. Because, I mean, Jimmy, I got to admit, you, you keep up real well. And I know you don't watch it as much as I do, but it's it, you're, I'm sure you appreciate having someone who's a little bit more even hockey minded than, than, um, you are on the pod. Oh, 100% lets me uh, take a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so just let us know. Like I gotta be like, I gotta be like up, up top with this stuff. If I'm not, if, no, I, uh, um, but yeah. And then, uh, yeah, just make sure you tell everyone that we're, uh, we're on and, uh, make sure you watch game three tomorrow or game four tomorrow and game five on Wednesday. And, uh, hopefully the boys can put it away and we'll be talking next week about a new series. So, uh, yeah. That's about it. Sounds good, man. All right. You got anything else to say? Go Flyers. Let's go Flyers. Let's feel the shake. Anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.